Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 87. Last week we had Sophie Mitchell-Smith, who you may know of, know of as the female hoof trimmer. A uh, good chat about stuff I had absolutely no idea about, so that was fun, learning about hoofs and learning about how to look after them well. Uh, next week we have who you may know as Ollie Blogs Contracting, Ollie Harrison, big on the YouTubes and Instagrams. It's very much a three in a row of social media people, social media stars, and I think we have reserved the main one for tonight because... I could be wrong here, and I'm sure our guest will um, correct me if I am, but I'm unaware of any bigger farming TikTokers in the UK. Uh, from what I understand, today we have Maria Ward. Maria, would you like to say hello? Maria, sorry, would you like to say hello? Hello, <laughs> <laughs> you are everybody. I'm really excited to be on today. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Well, it, it's, it's, I'm glad you say that, because as I said to you off camera, massive fan <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> sorry, fa- fanboying over here i must say um but uh yeah back in the the start of lockdown when tiktok became a thing i don't know how long it would be maybe a couple of months in when i was like i'm not getting tiktok i don't need tiktok i'm better than this i'm above it i don't need to get it uh, and then i did sort of give in maybe june or july time uh, you were certainly one of the first few accounts that I started popping up and quite enjoying the content so we will get into that at some point but could you give us a bit of uh, background there, Maria. Just sort of on, you know, are you from farming? Was was uh, were you were you born into a family from the farm? <clears throat> yeah, so I'm a fifth generation beef, sheep, and arable farmer from here in the heart of Cornwall. Um, my family has been farming this land for absolutely years now, um, so it's sort of in my blood. Um, I haven't really got any other blood in me other than farmer, if I'm honest. <laughs> It's quite funny that, you know, like some folk would bring on and they're like, oh, I'm quite new to farming. I've had this and had this. Uh, you do get the odd person. I was quite I was quite certain you were going to one of these people. It's just farming is everything. Was it always yeah. what you wanted to do? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> it's a young age. Um, but no, I feel like I should re-answer that. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. Um, like, yeah, so you're 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 sort of been brought up in the farm a thing that i went through as well and uh, a thing that probably a lot of folk wish they wish they had uh was was like going to school and that sort of opening up your eyes to other friends and, and what sort of businesses their families were in there was nothing else that was interesting for you at all nah just not at all um so i do also do um veterinary nursing on the side just to bring in that extra role of um money um because as we all know farming doesn't pay as great as what it should really be doing um which is really heartbreaking especially after we got promised so much after brexit and then so little was given back to us um so yeah it's really heartbreaking just not to see that profit in it so having another income really helps um so no, I do do veterinary nursing as well. And I was inspired to do that when I was at a calving um, on the farm. I was must have been about three. And the vet came and I could see how panicked my dad was and everything else. He didn't know what to do. Um, 
and it turns out it was a twisted cow so there's no way he could have got it out on his own um ended up being a cesarean section and I was like you know what I want to be the person that helps this hero <laughs> um and here I am now working in a large animal veterinary practice so I get to work with farmers every day which I love because I love the social aspect of it as well um yeah. you get to go out and meet different types of farmers see how they're doing and one thing that really surprised me when I went into the industry is how open everyone is about um like like I was saying earlier with the whole struggling financially or struggling with mental health and things like that which is another thing I'm extremely passionate about is mental health within agriculture and I try and promote that throughout my social medias trying to keep the audience engaged with it um and just sort of spread that positive message because I don't think mental health or safety within agriculture should be a boring subject to talk about I feel like it can be easily enhanced and brought forward to the front line I, th I think you're right and I think sort of mental health and, and a lot of things in fairness that our generation I'm saying our generation you're probably a bit younger than me but um in general sort of our generation are talking about it's not taboo you know the fact that you're just feeling rubbish and have done for a few weeks and you want to know why and you want to sort that it's not a negative it's a negative you need to fix it yeah but we've got to talk about it you know and, and I think past generations sort of in particular sort of grandparents and before it was like you must never ever mention things are not perfect uh, <laughs> yeah definitely and I think um from my parents and grandparents um before like they've always been so open about everything like you walk into our family farm like everyone's so open we don't hide anything at all um and I feel like that's a really good way forward for a lot of people to pick up on um, just because you feel so comfortable in just saying whatever you need to say at that moment in time. Um, and it just means you're not compressing however you feel. Um, I guess my interest originally started throughout lockdown with mental health and farm safety um, when I lost quite a few friends um, to mental health, like poor mental health. Um, and that really did hit me hard. Um, but instead of, I guess, in, I channeled my sort of emotions towards the whole situation into, well, they would want me to do something about this rather than sort of wallow in how I feel and go into a shell because that was incredibly tempting. Um, so, no, I just sort of contacted Yellow Wellies, asked how I can sort of help. And, I mean, they're a professional group who are a great place for me to start they helped me through that moment in time as well and they sort of gave me advice on how I can help others how I can make myself feel better and from then on I've just sort of channeled all that grief and energy into sort of promoting it to others and trying to make agriculture a more open place with all of it yeah and I think that's brilliant I see a lot of this that you're doing there and I actually meant to I meant to I for those of you listening, I sort of was about 10 minutes late to this. I meant to bring my keys. My keys are, are just outside and I've got my yellow wellies with me. They're always there. Um, I've had them for about six years now and I met Stephanie a couple of times and she's came up uh, to sort of teach at our university um, to do the, the sort of days they do. Uh, and if you are listening and you're wondering what we're talking about, I will go into it in a minute. But if you check out, I think it's R2Cast 13. If it's not, it's definitely Berkeley is, is the one to look up. She sort of had a chat about the Yellow Wellies Foundation and, and what's involved. But could you tell us your sort of um, your your experience with them, Maria? With Yellow Wellies? Yellow Wellies, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I originally reached out to them, like I was saying, um, during lockdown. And obviously it was a very lonely time for everybody. Like we had never been put in a position where all of these sort of social butterflies were told to go in the houses and stay there. 
like all you've got is social media and that's all you can have for the next I don't know however many months it was um so having Yellow Welly sort of as a mutual basis that you weren't aware who they were who you were talking to which I thought was really nice um who could just sort of sort of be there for you like during that time listen to you and just I don't know I just messaged them through Instagram and they were like straight back on messaging straight away um it was just really nice to have somebody to talk to and also the fact that I could they gave me sort of enough get-go just to channel my energy into helping them which I I'm a fixer um, okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so I like I like to fix situations without getting like too involved or anything um so when it came to me being able to help others like that was a really big sort of kick for me like I I don't know it just got me really going and I was like you know what we can actually like make something good out of this um and especially working with a charity as great as the farm safety charity yeah and I mean like if you go into your Instagram it's one of the first things you see that you're you're involved in that and and you said about how difficult lockdown was you know forgetting what you've obviously went through personally like that sounds like it's been extremely difficult and to come out the side you have already already is brilliant in your sense you know um but it was it was just I think folk like you know maybe like yourself I'm making an assumption here but myself as well um you were locked down but you did sort of hard of have a farm to play about on and you could sort of at least be outside and you could get that time that 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 people weren't allowed you know they were allowed an hour and it was just ah uh, it I, um, we don't need to get into talking about COVID and stuff like that and no one knew how to deal with it because it was it was a new thing. But I, since about day two, have been against the whole lockdown idea just from a mental health perspective. But I get why they did. But um, yeah, it was just, I hope, I think I guess what I'm trying to say is I hope it doesn't become a precedent that if we have another outbreak of something that we can do that again because it's it was, yeah, it was killing people from a, from a yeah. mental health perspective. And I think... I think you're completely right like having like acres of land to sort of roam around in and having a reason sort of to get up in the morning so like to feed the stock make sure everything's all right and sort of having that set routine really helped me and I'm sure it helped many other farmers and I I do really feel for the people that didn't get that opportunity or don't have that opportunity not just in daily life but especially during that period because it was it helped you like mentally like it stimulated you so it was great. Yeah, and it, I always feel guilty saying this, but in some ways that sort of two months was one of the best times I've had because I got to go back. I was on furlough. You know, I was able to sort of just work at home and actually get paid for working at home, uh, you know, and, and and sort of go through that time and it was lovely weather and whatnot. But, and that's actually sort of why I started creating content then was I was like, people are stuck inside, let them see lambs, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a nasty time and, and hopefully one we never have to see again. But people like yourself that are sort of pushing the narrative of making mental health normal and not, scary to talk about is, yeah. is is the direction we need to go in um, yeah, it's one of those clouds that has a silver lining <laughs> yes that's a really good it. way of putting it yeah that's a great way of putting it actually yeah that's a really nice way of putting it um you've mentioned the farm there though maria what you, you told us sort of what's on it but what sort of size of farm is it what's involved oh sorry um so we've got about 350 acres um which down in our sort of area cornwall is quite like sort of like the average size of farm um we grow winter wheat and barley um we're very self-sufficient so that all goes on to our stock um we do sell it to some of the neighboring farms as well um I mean you've got to look after your neighbors at the end of the day um they're the ones that are going to help you out when you need it as well 
um, which I love about the farming community. Like the close knit network is absolutely brilliant um, and everyone's sort of backing everyone whenever they can. Um, we've got about four, uh, just under 400 breeding ewes, um, which we have started lambing now. Um, so they're like a cross between, we've got a few Texels, Suffolk, Charolais, um, some North Country mules, um, which will, we've um, bought replacements this year. So me and my sister went up to Yorkshire to buy replacements um, a few months ago now. Um, so they'll go in next year, which is really exciting. Try out a new breed. Um, and when I tell you they can jump high, they can jump like <laughs> four foot hedges. We got them in the yard and I was like, hold up a minute, that's a sheep, not a, not a show horse. I had to sort of um, remind myself, I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> it was, I was like, I was standing there, I was like, this is a rookie error, isn't it? I've just bought 200 of these. <laughs> but no, um, they've been they've been doing really well. And the stone hedges, they've um, they've been respecting those, just not the barriers. So they respect something at least, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're quite interesting. It keeps us on our feet. Um, and then on the cattle side of things, we've got uh, it's basically mainly a Hereford group. We did have a Charolais bull um back along, but unfortunately, the bull absolutely great bull, um, but started chucking out really big calves, and obviously that wasn't very good for all the cows and heifers. Um so before anything went wrong with that, we decided to get Hereford um, bull, which I had been absolutely begging for four years. <laughs> like from the, I used to go into um, the local um, village with my gran or local town, sorry, with my gran um, at a young age. And in Malcolm Barnicutt's, which is like a local pastry shop around here, um, there was this um, lady who used to always go on about Herefords to me every time I walked in. Um, she had known my grand from school and she was on a mission to poison me with Herefords. It worked. It worked very well. Um, so like from the age of eight, around that sort of age, I was set on having Herefords and this farm covered in them. And it, they've spread far and wide. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're quite impressionable as a youngster. You know, three things were happening, eight things were happening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've made sure that they're coming through. Now that yeah, they're... definitely. I mean, when I've, I'm very... Um, driven when I've got something I want I'm not going to let it go until I've like earned it <laughs> I could believe that I could believe that <laughs> um am I right in saying I see you milking as well or is that just a job on the side uh, um so I do occasionally milk not very often um I did milk about six times a week and that'll be like night milkings okay. um so start at 11 p.m and finish at about three um, and that was a thousand um, thousand cow unit, um, and it was milking seventy three on a rotary. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, however, I was in a car accident when I was about um, sixteen. So just before I was learning to drive, I went in with a friend. It was the first time I have ever wore a seatbelt, and it was the last time I will ever not wear one. Oh, geez, that like, was lucky. Okay, from now so... on, no one goes in my car. Or I don't go in a car unless every single person has got a seatbelt on. Um, and uh, it's one of those things that, although it's caused me so much pain because it gave me a back injury from it, um, still undergoing physio now. And it was it was 2018, I think. Um, so I'm still suffering from that now. Um, but it was one of those things that I'm grateful it happened because it taught me so much. 
Um, and I don't know, I've never driven, like since passing my test and even learning, like I've never driven silly or anything like that. And I know it may come across as a granny driver, but it taught me that like, I don't know, life's just really precious, can be taken away at any point. Yeah, and I think, you know, I was probably one of the ones that was guilty of passing your test. And I don't mean like an idiot, but like driving fast and stuff, and oh, it's fun to try this. But yeah, you, you grow you grow more mature pretty quick. Like, and, and <laughs> yeah, maybe definitely. it takes something like what happened to you. You hope it doesn't take something like that. Uh, but um, the, the seatbelt thing was, was one that has just been drilled into me from day one. Like, yeah, you are not getting in this car from mum and dad, like, if you're not wearing it. <laughs> um, definitely. And that's a, that's a great way sort of to teach it. But no, that, that's why I stopped milking because um, my back pain just started getting worse and worse. So I actually stopped last year um, just because it, it wasn't worth it. Um, so now occasionally my sister milks on the neighbouring farm. Um, she absolutely loves it. Um, they love having her there. So it's working out really well for them. She's been there coming up to, I think, two years now. Um, and she's become like the main milker um, right. that they've got. And they've just got a really reliable relationship there. Um, but occasionally I'll go up and help them if she's not able to make it in or something, or if she needs an extra hand in the parlour, I'll go in and help. But I keep my foot in the door with the dairy side, but not as much <laughs> as I would like to. <laughs> yeah, there's money in it, there's money in it. Um, <laughs> prices are going well at the minute. Uh, <laughs> you, you've mentioned your sister there, mentioned, mentioned a lot of family. How many folk are involved in the farm? Um, so it is very, very family orientated. Um, got my gran and my grandpa um and then my mum and my dad so it's my um my dad's sort of family's farm okay <clears throat> does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah 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 um and then my younger sister Alison and my other half Matthew and myself um that help out my auntie and uncle come occasionally and help us out um when they can when they're not at work um but no it's great it's really really family orientated and I don't know. It's, I, I just love working with family. I think it's brilliant. I think it's one of those things that not many people get to do. And I don't take a single day for granted being able to experience that. It's, it's quite interesting listening to you speak already. I don't know how long we've been talking now, 10, 15 minutes, but you're so, like, you're obviously, you're, you're, younger, you're younger than I am. I know that. But you're so, like, I don't know what, what the term I'm looking for is. You don't take advantage of anything. You don't take anything for granted. I can see that already. Like <laughs> it was just, you said, like as a granny comment earlier, there's a lot of maturity in your voice already. It's quite interesting. And they, you know, followed you sort of on what's what's a bit of a fun TikTok and stuff. And it's quite interesting to see the real person behind that. It's really interesting. <laughs> um, I'm uh, I'm so glad you mentioned the word grandfather. <laughs> Am I saying <laughs> that been, right? You've Grand been wanting that, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's just written right there <laughs> oh correct spelling as well very impressed oh was it i was all right Perfect. yeah look at that um <laughs> that's a shock I, I didn't really know i sort of scribbled something down so this well maybe i'm wrong here this is how i understand things blew up for you is that right it was because of his yeah, fantastic accent. so before i brought my grant for onto my tiktok i had about two hundred thousand followers Oh, right, then, so you were still pretty big then. It was still, it's still, you weren't. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I started like, I think three months before my grandfather got involved. Right. And it was just pure coincidence. Um, So I had a comment off someone saying, you can't, this is when I bought my pedigree Herefords now. This is where it all started. <laughs> um, so I posted a video of them and I said they were heifers. And someone said, you can't get pedigree heifers. You can only get bulls. I believe that's the way round um, they said it. Okay. Um, 
And I replied to the video and then out of nowhere, I just went, I saw my grandpa at the corner of my eye and I was like, grandpa, shouted for him. And then he came over and I mean, I've always been aware that people can't understand him. I just didn't realise how much they wouldn't be able to understand him. Um, <laughs> and he came over, I can't remember exactly what it was now, but saying, um, of course you can get bloody Hereford heifers. Um, what do you think they are? Um, <laughs> he came over all Cornish and everything else. Um, and I woke up in the morning with, I think, 800,000 followers. And I was like, how on really? earth this happened? Yeah, it, it was mental. Like, it was literally just replying to a comment, <laughs> like being sassy <laughs> with it. Um, and then it just sort of went from there. And everyone loved him ever since. <laughs> it's 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 funny. I plan on getting on social media. I've got a few more questions before we go on social media first. But it, it's funny how, especially these TikTok, YouTube shorts, reels can just blow up an account. Like yeah, definitely. That. And I think that's why it's such a great place. Like you never know what you're going to see or who you're going to get. Like Instagram, I guess, is more people that sort of like post all the time and people that are sort of already in the public eye. Whereas you've got places like, I don't know, like the social media platform of TikTok, like literally anyone can blow up and you've got such a variety of people. And I think that's why it's such a great place. that You, ne- you never know what you're about to see or what you're about to learn about. Um, and it opens your eyes to so many things. Yeah, and and you know, you mentioned community earlier. Like, this is not a thing for TikTok, almost not in the slightest, I think. Uh, but like the Instagram, Sophie and I spoke about this last week. The Instagram community and the farming sort of side of things, it's amazing. It definitely, like, yeah. Yeah, like there's so many folk that are just like they've either got massive followings or they've got tiny followings or they're they're just telling a cool story, and everyone just supports each other. I love it. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates the UK over, and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm, from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years, or a fancy new and exciting diversification. It's so you know, fun. It's absolutely great. <laughs> um, it is a really, really supportive community. Um, and it's an absolute honour sort of to be a part of that. And it's great how both accounts, small and big, um, connect in such a way that it supports everybody. And I don't, I don't know, it's just a great community to be in. It is, it is. And I've got some, I was saying this again, like I said to Sophie last week, I've got some no, like notable friends. Some of them I've never met yet. <laughs> but, you know, I know I can go to them for so many things. And this is all just off of this sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's amazing how, like, You've got on, say, the Instagram community, for example, like you've got first generation farmers, sixth generation farmers, people that are literally just interested in learning a bit more. And the whole agricultural community on social media is so, like, aware of, I don't know, not aware, but um, so ready to teach everyone and welcome everyone with open arms. Um, And I think that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and, you know, you sort of, you bring up a good point there. And maybe this isn't something... Um, that's the case in Cornwall. I've been to Cornwall twice, by the way. Absolutely love the place. Uh, it's a lovely bit. Uh, up in Scotland, what, certainly one thing I would say that's an issue in farming is this sort of idea that you have to know everything. Like, oh, you should know this, you should already be whatever. And me as someone who came from a farm, had a honours and then a subsequent master's in the sort of sector, I was going to farm sometimes for the odd job here and there and like, well, if I don't know it, they're going to take a piss here, you know? And I feel like that's not the case on the social media side. Yes, there's the bad side, of course there is. But for the most part, it's like you say, um, vets will give you tips on this and that. And yeah, it's brilliant. It's really yeah, cool. no, it is. And I think 
you've definitely raised a, a brilliant point there the fact that a lot of people do think you need to know a lot before you can voice up in agriculture and I definitely think there is a definite stigma there that needs to be covered um and yeah no it definitely needs to be covered and I've never really thought about that before um so I guess that's opened my eyes in a way that sort of I don't know I'm I've always been very open to teaching others like a lot of my friends um they've not come from farming backgrounds so I've always sort of been around people that are why are you having to pull the lamb out or why are you holding the lamb by two legs um rather than the whole thing and for those listening that don't know um it's so we don't get the scent on us and it doesn't harm the lamb in any way so the mother won't reject it um but no so I've always and then you don't around... even realize that you're just teaching as you go <laughs> <laughs> um, but no I've, I've always been around people that sort of haven't been part of the farming community before so why would they know um and I guess that's why so many like the bad stigma comes from in agriculture when it comes to I don't know like I don't want to put a label on it but like sort of like the vegan front of things yeah um don't get me wrong I've met so many vegans that are absolutely lovely people but there are that small minority which there always will be in any group you go to that are just so set on well I've seen this happen so it must be because of that and won't listen to the actual reasons um I think it's really sad that people close their minds off once they've seen it um but just to explain those little things and why we do it because if you walk onto a farm and saw the way we do things or I don't know without an explanation you'd be like what on earth is going on here um yeah do it for the safety and the welfare of our animals to keep it at the very very highest that we can um it's just sort of explaining that as we go the, the vegan one's an interesting one I've spoke about this a million times on the podcast because <laughs> my, my master's I did a that my master's with food security but a specific module called um animal welfare and some fancy word but i can't remember what the word was but anyway animal welfare is a massive part of it and there's 29 of us in that class and two of us were farmers and 27 were vegan right and it was eye-opening let me tell you uh but it was so interesting like i had folk that on day one were calling me words i'm not going to say on the podcast just having just met me and then we sort of had a chat over the course of 15 weeks and you started to sort of see their point of view, our point of view, fantastic points of views on both. There is a lot of merits to veganism, a lot of them. Um, but like you say, it's that sort of activist side that drags them down. And I think it's important to mention that on the farming side, we have those people as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah, we have the negative ones that, oh, just throw some mint sauce in the lamb. That's such a common one. It's just so unfunny. <laughs> <laughs> and I can Say definitely see both sides and where they're coming from because they're such strong beliefs and they both carry so much passion it's about animals who doesn't love animals um so I guess they've got so much passion behind them and it's just sort of that taking a step back breathing for a moment and actually realizing we could have a really good discussion here and really like meet meet grounds and get to know one another's thoughts and why we're thinking it and sort of educate one another on both sides and I think it's just stepping back and taking that minute to realize that this could be a great communication that we're about to have yeah Exactly. And both will almost definitely learn something. Uh, yeah, definitely. There's so much on either side. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, I've, I've said it a few times, don't know if this is one you've heard, but I sort of like the idea of why fight fire with fire when you can use water. You know, just yeah. have a chat. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> to shout at each other. If someone's shouting at you and you don't shout back, if they're still shouting three sort of sentences later they just look like an idiot like yeah, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't happen um <laughs> it, it just absolutely does not happen um and that's just plan to get into sort of social media side on the end but we're sort of jumping in um 
you, what sort of following do you have nowadays? About 800, 900,000, something like that? I don't know where you um, are. Let me have a quick check. I'm not not the best with numbers, if I'm honest. <laughs> don't worry, no, you're fine. I've had, to, I've had to get a necklace with my herd number on, so when I go to market, I don't have to go, um, <laughs> um, um, give me a moment, let me think. Um, it works really well, though. If anyone's struggling with herd numbers, get yourself a little um, piece of jewellery with it on. <laughs> yeah, it's a clever one, that, in fairness. That's a good one. I like that. I like that um, so I've got just over... 930,000 that's mad isn't it when you yeah. think about what that yeah. number is. like you could just say oh 930,000 grand but then you actually I mean, look at if five people came in a room and started or came to the farm and started watching me do things I would start blushing yeah exactly so I yeah. couldn't imagine that amount of people coming in sort of watching anything <laughs> well it's, it's it's a 70th of our country it's ridiculous you know, isn't it honestly it's ridiculous yeah. it, absolutely and it's funny you say that like I mean my job as a lecturer I'm not often in front of 930,000 people normally like sort of 25 uh, yeah. but that's sort of 25 and up I do guest speakings and stuff like 100 and so on and so forth that's fine but when you say like five worst thing ever yeah, <laughs> definitely. I agree because they, they ask the most questions I tell you <laughs> no yeah, I've, I've spoken like well then they're real people I've done a lot of um, public speaking events through young farmers which is an absolutely great foundation if anyone wants to get involved with it absolutely brilliant um and I mean through that it's opened so many opportunities it's boosted my confidence so much like I genuinely don't think I would be here today speaking as confidently as what I am without that federation um I mean I went and spoke as a guest speaker at my graduation in front of like 400 people yeah and I got back down and I was like, oh, that was all right, actually. And I have young farmers to thank for that. Like, it's absolutely brilliant in so many different ways. Like, we're not just drunk and rowdy. Like, <laughs> we're educating ourselves along the way and raising money for charities. <laughs> yeah, you've got to say that you are at times drunk and rowdy. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which club are you in? um i'm part of some maybe young farmers so i'm part of the cornwall young farmers group right yeah and uh, have you done it basically since you could yeah definitely yeah. um so i actually joined at the age of 13 which at my club it starts at 14 um but they needed an extra person for a pantomime they were doing <laughs> um it might have been cabaret actually no it was cabaret performance they were doing um and they needed one more dancer and i happened to get dragged in by my older cousin and with that, I needed a membership and I just sort of stayed from there. So um, it's been quite a while now that I've been a member of that club. Yeah, definitely. It's Cabaret's a thing we don't really do up here. Maybe sort of your north of Scotland does it a wee bit um, in central, yeah. like um, in the west and that where, where sort of the club I'm in. It's not really a thing. What we do is a thing called Talent Spot, which is very similar from what I understand. But um, it's funny you mention young farmers sort of starting at 13. I started at 25. I only started last year and uh, I was always a bit like, oh, it can't be that good, can't be that good. Man, I wish I'd started earlier. I wish I'd started earlier. It's, it's a brilliant federation. Like you go from one week to learning how to do golf and like having a great time at the course. Um, and then next week you can sort of go to, I don't know, like a chicken farm and learn about how they do it. Um, and then go on to bowling the next week. And then, I don't know, literally anything like there is no limitations I did um the program secretary so I arranged um what we did each week um with the meetings so it was during lockdown it was really difficult actually because 
there were companies were like going down COVID, so they couldn't like come yeah. onto the Zoom call or anything. Um, but I started the first one off with um Donkey from Grassmen. Um do not ask me how I managed to get him involved. I have no idea. I think someone was waving their magic wand and helped me out then. <laughs> did you did you have your following at that point? Um yeah, I had a yeah, it oh, was yeah. just where I started getting Grant for involved. Right. So um, still pretty big, yeah, still pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was absolutely brilliant and like you were saying earlier, when you start talking to the actual person, you learn so much more about them. Um, and I don't know, he was like peeling back like all his layers of his life and everything. And it was brilliant to hear about. And the fact that how he started and everything else and the amount of hiccups he has as he got his business going, it was really inspiring to hear. Um, but no, and then like we did done like gin making and then a livestock haulage company came on um gave us a talk on that um so there was so much variation in what we did and there still is now even without um lockdown so it's brilliant yeah lockdown was a funny time for it i wasn't in it that time but a lot of young farmers clubs must have struggled but like yourselves and certainly the one i'm in they still managed to have events on every every week like <laughs> and keeping it going and keeping it sort of yes maybe you get a wee bit bored of a zoom quiz i know i certainly did but uh you know, sort of keeping those things going was brilliant. Donkey was a massive pull. That's that's fantastic. One. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but like, like even even the last two weeks, I'll have had a couple of dance practices for this. I've curled twice. Never curled in my life. Um, and uh, what was the other thing? Something else. But yeah, it's just golf's one, but not not recently. And you're on stage in a theatre and stuff. That opportunities it gives you is phenomenal. I, I, as I said, and and like I'm new to this area. And uh, yeah, I've met 30, 40 mates. You know, it's brilliant. It's, uh, it's <laughs> yeah, so definitely. useful. And so, you never uh, know what you're going to do next. Like, we were dung, we're dung bagging, um, just done our dung bagging. Um, and at the end of it, you like end up throwing the manure over everybody and just go home smelling like, or you can, you can guess yep. what you smell like at the end. Um, <laughs> and then, like, the week after, we went on and performed in the Hall for Cornwall, which is like, like the West End, but the Cornwall version. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's not the East End, is it? No, that's the West. I've got the wrong side bad off. So close, so close. Terribly embarrassed myself there. That's so bad. Oh, no. It's all right. The compass up. was broken. <laughs> it certainly was. Good God, that was not a good one. Um, quite a lot of folk get in touch with me and they ask sort of questions about, about social media and stuff. And, and I have, I mean, not big a following. I think about eight and a half thousand over everything. So it's not big in the slightest. You're sitting there with pretty much a million. And the question I get for a lot of people or from a lot of people is, has it has it given you no, I don't want to say like a better life, but has it offered you a lot of opportunities that that you definitely wouldn't have had before? You've talked about opportunities you've had through young farmers and 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 that sort of thing, but has, has social media made made life and your sort of selling of yourself, I guess, as as a sort of entity easier? Um, I guess it depends which way you look at it. Um, social media side of things, working with different companies, brands, charities, it's opened up so many doors. Um, and the thing I'm most grateful for is the fact that I've got a platform that I can share positive messages on and help people out. So yeah, it has opened so many doors that it wouldn't have opened before. Um, but yeah, no, it has really helped in different opportunities. Yeah. Um, but even with a like smaller following, like you'd s still be able to help out, spread the message and everything else. It just, I guess it depends the time and effort you put in it. I know when 
I don't post for a little while, like I can lose followers and things like that, which used to really bother me. But right. now, honestly, like if if I'm not posting for like a week or so, just because I need some time away from it, need to focus on real life, life's just got busy sort of thing. Um, it doesn't bother me anymore if I come back and there's sort of less there. Um, because why would there be? I haven't been posting for a while, so why would they be interested in following? <laughs> but no, it's it's been a great way to connect with people, um, which I wouldn't have connected to, with before because of the amount of people I've got on there, I guess. Um, so yeah, no, I'm really grateful for the opportunities it's opened up and the ones that hopefully it will open up in the future. I mean, I mean, we see the fair facts in favour. We, we see... <laughs> <laughs> um, the, it's interesting you say that about the sort of you were focusing on losing, losing not views, but uh, followers. Was it, would you say that was impacting you, like to like a level you're like, right, this is this is actually impacting me, or was it just, oh, why am I losing followers? Um, I guess it got to me to begin with when it first started happening. Um, but it's sort of like, I don't know. I just sort of got used to it after a while. And it doesn't bother me at all now. Um, yeah. It's just one of those things about growing, isn't it? Like you're always going to have setbacks. And in the social media platform, that is going to be the setback. Um, yeah. But no, my my aim was never to have followers. Um, don't get me wrong, you need followers to spread a message. But my, name, my aim was never to have as many followers as what I've got now. My aim has always been to sort of raise awareness for farming, get women in agriculture involved, um, as well as young younger males as well and any any age any age person um but get people involved with farming sort of make it a more transparent industry um and also again bringing up the mental health and farm safety just to bring that to the forefront um so yeah the following on top of that is just an absolute blessing and a cherry on top yeah yeah that's that's a good way of putting it good way of putting it and uh yeah, I've got one more question about you building the TikTok. But if you are listening, you're enjoying the story uh, with Maria at the minute. As I said, I'm. I think she's. Do you know if there's any bigger UK farming TikToks? Do you know of any um, bigger ones? I'm not too aware. No, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not too sure. Sorry. I'm quite a social media analyst. Like I love this stuff, and I'm. I'm like I'm writing a PhD proposal in it and stuff. Like I'm really into it, and uh, I don't know of anyone so but if you are enjoying it and, and you're thinking oh i wonder who else i can watch on tiktok i think let's see if i can do the numbers here ginger louise who's about 175 000, had on r2 cast number 28 or 7 27 27 uh, and then charlotte ashley farms was 54 and then katie shanahan was 55 so if you are listening um check those three out and and obviously this one as well obviously because i think they're four of the real big standouts sort of in the all women in agriculture as well um i don't follow many guys on tiktok in the farming side in the uk actually now i sort of say that out loud um but yeah you you said uh oh yeah when i got grandfather involved i was at 200 i thought you were gonna say 200 uh you said 200 000. You said you're at a fifth of a million, just like that. Uh, did did you? You said you weren't intending to get followers. I get that, but what what did something take you up to two hundred thousand, or did it just slowly rise? Because you said it was um, like three or four months, didn't you? Yeah, so it just slowly rose from there. Really, um, I guess it was sort of the niche of seeing a woman drive a heavy machi- heavy machinery. Ah, okay, um, yeah, yeah. And the fact that that message was out there because it was at the point where sort of. Not many women in agriculture were sort of 
posting as much as what they do now, which is absolutely great to see. And you labelled some absolutely brilliant um, social yeah. media people there um, and women in agriculture that are doing an absolute blessing for the community. Um, but no, I just, no, never. <laughs> yeah, it just happened. Yeah, it just <laughs> happened. Just post. It's funny you say about the women in agriculture there. Just when you said it, I thought I'd flip back through the last few podcasts we've done. Biza Walters, um, Emily Adicott, Savo, Jane Craigie. God, there's loads in the last few. There's a lot to check out. Um, it, there's no rhyme or reason to it sometimes, that building up, isn't there? It just, it just yeah. But I mean, as I say, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's really hard to sort of put your finger on what you like about content. Like we had uh, the female hoof trimmer on, the famous hoof trimmer, of course, the hoof GP uh, from about 50 miles from where I am at the minute. Um biggest farming youtuber in the world and we know what people like about that they like that sort of pimple popping asmr thing uh, which i don't by the way i hate it oh i don't know how to watch that like i'm not, i even said this to sophie last week i was like i can't do it um but yours is just sort of showing what's on the farm you've got that sort of sass when folk give you some shit and uh, like it's just entertaining i really do it like it's a really good account but is it is it just tiktok and instagram you use or do you use anything else um, no, it's literally just TikTok and Instagram. They're sort of my two main go-tos. And like you said right at the start of the podcast, um, you were never really like sort of had the aim to download TikTok. Um, I was literally like forced by a friend to download it. They were like, you need to. And like every five minutes we messaging me like sending them over. And I was like, just gonna have to download it at this point. And then I think my sister was like, why don't you just upload one? And I was like, all right, okay, I'll bite the bullet. And there was me thinking that it was just going to be a giggle amongst friends, but it hit off really well. But yeah, here we are now. Yeah, well, it is funny that. I mean, like my my partner at the time was like, just in bed at night, like just like what? It can't be that good. <laughs> We've been social media for years. How is it better? And then I'd sort of like maybe be looking over her shoulder, and be like, oh, what's that wee dance? And then I remember the first the first video I watched on TikTok was. Uh, Alex Oxley Chamberlain, I don't know if you watch football, but uh, um, doing like a, a dance with his partner where he jumped upstairs. And I was just like, oh my God, it's so catchy. I need this. And then, yeah, addicted. And, then and you with find that, you're in your pyjamas jumping up the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's a draft on my TikTok of me trying. I, I don't think I can ever release it because it's just me. I think, I think you pajamas. should link it into the podcast. Nah, 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 nah. nah. Oh, nah you on. can't do me dirty like this. You can't. <laughs> 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 um, and I'm, I'm like trying and everything in the kitchen like trying to get it to make my legs go the right way and it never ever happened uh, but yeah that was me hooked and uh, as I said sort of farm TikTok appears and you were certainly one of the ones that jumped out then um, you mentioned about vet nursing about three hours ago but, uh, mentioned about vet nursing did you go to uni for that Maria or were you at agricultural uni? Um, so I studied with Cornwall College and um so the Cornwall College group, Three Dutchy College, and it meant that I could stay at home, work on the farm um, whilst getting an education at the same time. I also did the same through university. I done it with the Cornwall College group and Dutchy College because, um, I mean, it's just a family farm. Like we have to all help out. Um, yeah. And that was really important to me, finding education that could work around my lifestyle. And it really did. Um, so I started um, with a level three diploma in agriculture. Um, I'd done one year of that and then I realised I had enough UCAS points. I don't know, do you guys have UCAS points up where you are? Yeah, but I'm, I'm like, I don't know if you know, but I'm a lecturer and uh, like, 
I'm just out of where I was and why I was 10 minutes late. It was like a big revalidation thing, looking at points. And you, it's all different in England to what it is in Scotland. But we oh, do really? have, yeah, we do have them. Yeah, so <laughs> to get into this course, all you had to have was um, the amount of UCAS points and an education within animal, like the animal side of things. Um, yep. So I went straight on to university and I didn't actually mention my age at the time to the lecturer because I didn't think it mattered. Um, but it turns out I actually got in a year early um, to right. the course. <laughs> I mean, all, my age and everything was on the paperwork. Like, they, I'm sure they would have checked it over. But about like three weeks into the course, they're like, Maria, how old are you? And I was like, um, literally just turned 17. And they were like, oh, this course is 18 plus. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I'm here now. You can't actually get rid of me. Um, so no it it was kind of a fluke that I got in a year early um but I really enjoyed the course and passed everything first time um with merit and distinctions um so no it was it was great you did it with young farmers getting in a year early you might as well have done it with uh, (laughs) there's a trend happening isn't there there's a trend (laughs) what's next that you're going to jump into a year early I don't know if that happens after 18 anymore but uh, yeah um so, so can you be a vet nurse without a qualification then? Because that was agriculture, that qualification, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so yeah. Um, the agriculture diploma, and then, sorry, I went on to do a degree in veterinary nursing. Right, got you, got you. Um, yeah. So you can either have a diploma or a degree, and I settled for the degree course just because I thought, why not? Yeah, so absolutely. I would have yeah. been in, if I stayed in the agricultural course, I would have been there for another year and then would have had to do another two years of um sort of diploma level veterinary nursing so I thought well I just well do the whole four years of education and go into three years of uni um would would you advise it to would you tell anyone else to do it yeah definitely um as I it's one of those industries just like agriculture that can be incredibly rewarding but at the same time it can be incredibly challenging like you've got to remain professional whilst a family is saying goodbye to their best friend and you've got to walk out of that room like with your head held high rather than sort of you really want to let your emotions go. And it's one of those things that you sort of not willingly, but you desensitize to over time. Yeah. Um, and I guess in agriculture, you've got to put on a brave face like when you're losing stock um, for God knows how many reasons. Um and you've got to put on a brave face then and sort of get on with it. And I think they're very, very similar industries with the emotions you have to face and the reasons you have to face them. I mean, it's working with animals, isn't it? It's always going to be challenging, but it's incredibly rewarding. Like you could have a dog in that's just been, I don't know, um, let's go RTA, hit by a car, for example. Um, you could have one of those come in and you could think it's like the very last day this dog's going to have. And then a week later, you're watching it like bound towards its family and go home and live however many years of a happy life. Um, it's so rewarding. That, that's a really good way to put that. This, yeah, I mean, like, I'm a cat person through and through. I love cats. Now, speaking of TikTok, I don't have a big TikTok, but what my TikTok basically is, is me teaching my cat to jump up, right? Uh, we, we Jamesy can jump a good sort of five feet into my arms. And uh, this is basically all I do, but that that moment where you're like, right, I know it's time that they need to go. For them, this is the right thing to do. It's the fucking hardest thing on this planet. It is so hard. Now, that's a dog, a cat, a a guinea pig, whatever your best friend, as you said, is. 
and you having to stand there and I would like to think I'm being on a farm I'm probably not one of the the, the ones that impact certainly when I'm there you know I would try and make sure it was all right for you guys as well but some focus their life man and that's sort of hitting them and oh for you to stay professional and supportive must be a very difficult balance yeah and and I commend you and vets and anyone involved in that sector for it yeah definitely and it's not just like animals you've just met that day which it can be it definitely can be but it's like animals you've sort of helped make better like throughout their lives like you've watched them from a puppy like come up to I don't know, just really old age and it's it can be really like heartbreaking you just got to put your emotions aside for that but like I said it's the same in agriculture and agriculture I didn't mention a positive agriculture but it comes with so many rewarding things like spring's my absolute favorite time and the fact that you get to welcome like new life into the world each year and we get to do that every year like it's so rewarding like yeah what other industries can do this <laughs> Well, that's it. And, and like you say, and there's there's quite that famous question, what's your favourite season? And I was always, when I was younger, I was I don't really know what my favourite season is. And my dad puts it so well. Every season's his favourite season. It's like the change into the next one. I always think autumn's probably a wee bit boring, but like, it's it's still nice. You know, you're going into like, oh, it's pumpkin spice latte time. It's, you know, <laughs> Halloween, whatever. Like every new season has, has a new exciting thing. And that's like, you know, that's with with farming that's amplified uh, and that's probably why as much as I love summer and I love winter I think spring's my favorite because I work a job that's sort of well it's university based yes I'm working on the farm for for the uni here and there and um, with students but that two-week holiday to go back and land for my mom and dad is just like it's so I don't know what the word is refreshing I don't know what it is but yeah. it's, it's um yeah you started lambing is that indoor I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Are you indoor outdoor? Um, yeah, so it was outdoor and then we had um, snow back in, I think it was, I think that was 2018 as well actually, a lot happened that year. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and we don't get snow down here very often. The news told us we weren't going to have any, so nobody believed it was coming. Um, no one was prepared. And we were mid-lambing and we woke up in the morning and it was the most heartbreaking day I've ever had, like ever, right. like agriculture, outside of agriculture, literally anywhere. Like the frost started, we were like, there are sheep here that have obviously lambed and we couldn't see any lambs anywhere. Oh, yeah. We, when the frost like or the snow frosted and it like had gone um there was just lambs everywhere and unfortunately like a few of them passed away quite a few of them everyone that was covered um and it was absolutely gut-wrenching like we couldn't have done anything about it we were doing sort of hourly checks but all the snow fell within an hour period um and with that everything was covered and obviously sheep go to the side of the hedge don't they yeah, um, yeah. when they're lambing because they like to be away from everyone away from danger they sort of segregate themselves during that time and because they're nearing the hedge the snow falls and creates a barrier there and I, I don't know I just cannot imagine going through that day again um so from then on we sort of decided that indoor lambing was the way forward and let me tell you it has been the best decision ever we haven't had snow since well, this is the thing, and, and I was going to say that. Did you say, I, I, you, you crackled for about two seconds. Was it 2018, you said? 
Yeah, I think it was 2018, yeah. if I remember rightly. Um, was that that beast from the east? Is that yes? Is that yeah. yeah, yeah. And we we're Cornwall. We didn't expect there to be snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's it's, so it's much funny. snow in Cornwall, and everyone else laughs. We'll see that in, in like ten years' time. Not now. <laughs> it's it's the hard one that hits though when it hits you and you're not ready for it because we have yeah, a very oh, summer. Honestly, it was gut wrenching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was the year I learned how to skin a lamb, which for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's where you've already got a lamb that's passed away from natural causes. Um, and it's the best way to describe it is a donor. Like we would be a donor if we passed away and somebody else needed our organs. Um, so then we'd foster that lamb on to the mother that's gone through the loss of the lamb. Um, so you foster a new lamb on that potentially has come from a triplet or a twin um and it helps the grieving mother the mother's not going to suffer from sort of any milk milk problems from not being um not feeding um and also that lamb then gets the attention of the mother so it wears the coat the old coat of the old lamb um which is really great and I learned that during that period and it's the first time I've ever used it and I hope it's one of the last times I have to properly use it <laughs> Well, it's it's one of those things that you're going to use quite often, and it's. I mean, I'm I'm not. As I've said I've, I'm quite soft. <laughs> I'm quite soft stomached, but that is one of the best skills there is in sheep farming. It it seems gnarly, and it is in a way, but also for the lambs and for the sheep, it's not at all. It's no. only really us that has the difficult thing of having yeah. to do it. You know, they're dead, and it's better. But um, yeah. but actually, speaking of bringing life into the world, I believe uh, the family deserves some congratulations. Uh, obviously, which was uh, I thought it was the coolest little thing ever when you gave your grandparents the little um, scan. <laughs> very you. cute, very cute. Uh, I was uh, I was very excited as well. I must say, I've never met you, but just yet yeah, it's always fun <laughs> to get stuff like that. I tell um, you what, it's been very tough though at this point. From the whole way through, it's been fine, been all good. I've been managing to keep up how I would and everything else. But now I'm what's eight months down the line so I've got are you eight months yeah yeah literally just coming up to eight months um it's becoming very real now but also because we've just started lambing I'm not allowed anywhere near you're not allowed yeah yeah because of (laughs) the risk of the risk of catching diseases um from the sheep um you can uh you can catch so many different diseases I can't think of too many off the top of my head but um even like chlamydia you can catch off a lambing sheep (laughs) Um, and obviously that is not good for anyone, let alone a pregnant person. <laughs> so, you know, um, I've been banned from the lambing shed. I think it's I think it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's not even a, a, a negotiable way. A pregnant woman just should not be near uh, a lambing shed. Um, I know. And like... it's the same with um, with the calving. Can't go near any of that. Um, and even in lamb ewes, actually, and in calve cattle, um, they, they're quite dangerous to be around when you're pregnant as well, which I wasn't aware of. Uh, and being part of the veterinary industry really opened my eyes to that. Um, so, no, it's it's been a bit bit tough when everyone's like, oh, there's a lambing sheep. And I would usually be the first one to leg it out like, oh, I'm gone. <laughs> um, whereas now I'm like, oh, let me know how it goes. <laughs> I think for I think for what especially when you're eight months, I think yeah. I think you should just be able to sit down and be like, no, this is my time to be calm. I think you've earned it, every year. Um but yeah, for for, for folk listening, one one major problem that, that yows get is EAE, which is enzootic abortion in yows, and enzootic basically a disease that can go human to animal. Um and uh, yeah, abortions in the middle there. And that's obviously the last thing we want. So that's why uh, we want to sort of keep pregnant, uh, pregnant humans away from 
from from Lamin and Calvin Shades. Uh, pregnant humans. That was a weird way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you got my point. You got my point. Uh, you, you know what I mean. Um, oh, here, listen, Maria, I've, uh, I've uh, as I said, followed you for I don't know, God, probably probably the best part of three years now. Yeah, because <laughs> lockdown started twenty twenty. So yeah, probably June time. Um, this will be coming out in March, so uh, yeah, about that sort of period. It's quite weird. I do this with a lot of these folk I have on here. You know, followed them for ages, followed them for ages, and uh, I'm like, oh, I should really get on the podcast. It's a really interesting story, <laughs> and it's been a great story. Uh, you've been so so pleasant to talk to as well, which has been great. Um, it's always good to sort of highlight that sort of mental health side and, and speaking uh, and, and looking after ourselves because historically it's been a, an industry that we don't care about ourselves and we, we sort of put ourselves second. Uh, so that's that's very good. Um, but there is two questions I ask everyone at the end of every podcast, and that is, uh, one, where do you see yourself in five years? And two, if you had tips for folk coming into farming, what would they be? Okay um baby brain you'll probably have to refresh me with the second question that's fine <laughs> go for the five years and then i'll tell you the second. <laughs> um, so five years down the line being completely honest i see myself taking every single opportunity that comes at me um just like i do now and i have no idea where that will lead me absolutely no <laughs> idea um I'd, I'd like to think that I'm showing my pedigree Hereford, um, making a breeding business out of that. I'd like to think that um, my little ones sort of sort of showing an interest in agriculture yeah. by that point. If they're not, I'm absolutely fine with that too. Um, they might have more sense to go get some money. But no, I guess I don't. I really don't know. That's such a tough question. I see myself being busy, question. and if I'm busy, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And, and I think a lot of folks say that, you know, if I'm if I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm doing what I'm happy doing, then that that's a win. I don't have yeah. to have a certain thing. Uh, I've actually just realised that the point of this being released is about three weeks from now, maybe four weeks from now. Um, so five years from now, you might have a five-year-old to the day. <laughs> you <laughs> might do, you might do. Yeah, just realised that a sec. Um, the other question is sort of if you had tips for folk coming into farming, what would they be? Um, for anyone coming into agriculture, I would say absolutely go and get it. Any opportunity, like I was saying, take it straight away. Um, that would be my best advice for anyone and probably one of the only life sort of advice I've ever taken and really listened to is take every single opportunity. Even if you think it's not going to benefit you in any way at all, um, it will open a door without you even knowing about it. Um, it doesn't matter what role you go into when you start agriculture, um, whether that literally just be going in and watching a farmer for a few days at a time a week, or literally just showing an interest through social media, or starting off in the lambing industry or the calving industry, um, milking, they're really good places to start. Um, all going in full bore straight away. I mean... Yeah none of these are bad places to start they're all great and they'll all give you such a leg up into the industry I would just yeah take every single opportunity you can and don't let negativity get you down agriculture can be one of those industries where you're going to have five bad days and two good and then the next week every day is going to be good and you have to take them all sort of with a pinch of salt because no day is the same absolutely no day um, got to expect the unexpected all the time it's one of those industries where you go in and you're not just a farmer you're a mechanic you're a midwife you're you're doing everything like 
you're part of you're part of a great community that do so much and I think it's the only industry where you you're sort of part of every industry if that makes sense yes yeah very um, good. so very keeping good an work. open mind to all the different jobs it might be a job you don't want to do but go forward and sort of do it to your best ability because you never know what's going to come out of it um but yeah just take everything you can yeah, that was excellent tips. I mean, like it's it's that sort of opportunity one. I don't know if you know of Amy Wilkinson. I don't know if she's someone you've came across. Um, uh, had Amy on the podcast, and her sort of tip was kind of similar to yours. I t- I say this to quite a lot of people. I think it's a brilliant saying. She's like, I was really shy. I was really nervous, and sometimes like an opportunity would come away, and I'd be like, Oh no, I better not. I don't embarrass myself. I don't want, you know, for whatever reason, yeah. And as I'm sure we've all done at some point. And um, she was like, I got to this stage, I was like just this 20 seconds of blind, stupid confidence, say yes and deal with it later. And I was like, that's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, so you, definitely. Like you say, take every opportunity that comes your way. And sometimes you might make a tip yourself, but who cares? The next one's going to be worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's one of these industries, like, like we were saying earlier, you have to go in knowing everything and everyone thinks that way. It's one of those industries that people can laugh at you and sort of make a mockery when you're asking a silly question if that makes sense but it's not silly like they've all asked it before but they would have been at a younger age when they asked it or been taught it without without having to be asked and it's because they've been in the industry for so long like they would have done it all before it's just they've they've forgotten the fact that one day they didn't know that um (laughs) everybody has started absolutely clueless into this industry I mean who hasn't we've just got to be proud enough sort of to say hey I used to know nothing <laughs> now look at yeah, us yeah yeah definitely and and I think you know I've garnered quite a reputation I mean I'm a lecturer so people expect me to know some things which I'd like to think I do um but I will throw out a good three or four questions a day and folk are like how did you not know that and I'm like I don't know I just didn't but now I do it <laughs> throw it out there there's so many things every no, day definitely. is full day and no matter how long someone's been in agriculture they are learning something new i guarantee every day yeah i would say so yeah absolutely um i mean i even learn stuff like from i've learned so much from my students like because i don't have the same system as them i have you know everything so yeah absolutely um no listen as i said maria it's been an absolute pleasure uh thank you very much for coming on appreciate your time uh i hope you've enjoyed hope you've enjoyed it yourself yeah i've absolutely loved it thank you very much for having me Good, I'm glad. And and I will say this, it, it, this podcast will be out way later than this because we're talking about tomorrow, but Maria is going to be on the radio tomorrow, so that's very exciting. Um, on uh, Is it radio or is it TV? Radio? Yes, BBC Radio Cornwall. Radio Cornwall. So it will be about three weeks ago. Maybe you'll get it on BBC Sounds. I don't really know how BBC Sounds <laughs> works. But, um, yeah, thank you very much to yourself, Maria. It's been a pleasure. For those of you listening, I'm sure you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast, which is, I really shouldn't have said that because now I'm going to throw my wee sponsor video in in four seconds and that's how that starts. So it just looks like a weirdo and I'm saying the same thing over and over. Um, if you want to follow Maria, if you somehow follow me and don't follow her, it seems unlikely. Um, it's uh, Instagram and, oh, let's see if I can do this. MariaWarren1124. No, yes. Yeah. And I have no idea TikTok. I'm just going to say Maria underscore Warren. I can't remember. Is it? Yeah, got thumbs up. <laughs> oh, yes. Got both right. So if you somehow don't follow Maria and, and want to uh, check that out, you might get like an extra one and a half followers, Maria, because I'm obviously nowhere near as big as yourself. Thank you for coming on, and we shall see you next week for Ollie Harrison of Ollie Contractor. Ollie Blogs Contractors Contracting.
I've absolutely butchered this outro. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural and on Facebook at A-Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.